y'all doing? Yeah? It's good to see you guys. I'm Christina, for those of you that I haven't had the chance to meet before. Um, I love that song. I love those words. Um, it's who you are. You're a good, good father. I feel like we so often can forget things um, that God does in our lives. I feel like we've all been marked by him in some way. If we're a follower of Christ, we have a moment in our life where we've been marked by him. Um, but what do we do? We just can't, we forget. We can so easily forget. Today we're celebrating um, a moment that marked the disciples. Today we're going to be taking communion together. And we're just going to be talking through a little bit of the experience of that first communion. And I think it's so interesting because Jesus said to the disciples during that first communion, remember this. Remember what we're going to do right now. Remember this. And it makes me think so much of the Old Testament, where we, we hear God telling the people of Israel over and over and over again, remember this, right? Like, remember this with a feast. Every year I want you to have a week-long feast to remember what I did. Or remember with a sacrifice, or build an Ebenezer, so that every time you walk by it, you remember my goodness. Remember. Because I think we, um, we just tend to forget. We forget his grace. We forget his healing power. We can forget what he's done in his life. So today I want to invite you guys into a time of remembering. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to remember. Communion, um, as Christ followers, is so important to what we do because it is, it is the very foundation of our faith. The death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus laying down his life for the forgiveness of sins and then rising from the dead to prove that he really was who he said he was. That's what we're doing today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to start in Luke chapter 22. This was the first communion, also known as the last. Nice. You guys are with me. See, you're waking up. I like it. Perfect. So Luke 22, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen. Um, and I'm starting a little bit farther back than usually we start when we talk about communion, but I really like this backstory. So we're going to start in verse 7. So Luke 22 Verse 7, then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So what I want to do really quickly is just remind all of us what um, unleavened bread is, what the Passover is, and why this has any significance for us when we come to communion. So we're going to go all the way back to Exodus 12. Exodus 12 is when Moses was sent by God to Pharaoh. You guys remember the story? I think it's one of my kids' very favorite stories in the Bible because they love all the plagues so much, and the pictures in their Bible are really animated. It's fun, right? So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, yeah, you guys got this. He says, no. There's hundreds and thousands of them. They're my slaves. They're doing my work. So God says, okay, let's try, let's try this out. So God sends a plague. And Pharaoh says, yeah, you guys are with me. He says, no. This happens over and over in Exodus. And in Exodus 12, this is, this is the last plague. This is it. And God says to Moses, tell the people, tell your people they need to take a lamb for every household. And if a household can't afford their own, they can share with the house next door to them. Take a lamb. Sacrifice the lamb. Take the blood from that lamb and put it on the sides and over the top of your outside door frame. And then take that lamb and roast it. Roast it. Don't boil it. Don't eat it raw. Lamb sushi. I mean, hello, gross. Roast that lamb. My husband's Greek, and let me tell you, roasted lamb is good. 
So they make this lamb, and then when they eat that lamb, do you know what they're supposed to do? Do you guys remember this? They're commanded to, to eat it with their sandals on, with their cloaks on, tucked in their belts, like they are ready to go. They are eating this lamb with this hope and this faith that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to free them. So they're all dressed up, eating this feast. They have to eat all of it. That's what they're commanded to do. doesn't sound like a bad commandment. And then we're told in Exodus that that night there is wailing and there's sobbing all throughout Egypt because God sent the angel of death and the firstborn son in every home of every herd of cattle drops dead except for where there was blood. That is where the angel of death passed over. And Pharaoh calls Aaron and Moses in the middle of the night. He says, go, just, just leave. Go worship your God. Get out of here. I'm, I'm done. Just go. And what do the people do? They pack up and they go. And they, they have their bread that they've already started to prepare for tomorrow. But the yeast hasn't had time to rise. There's no yeast in that bread yet. It's unleavened bread. So they grab it. They hit the road. And that's why there, there's this unleavened bread. So the Passover is this amazing story of God freeing his people. And it says in Exodus 12, 14, God says, this is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, as a lasting ordinance. You remember that I freed you. You remember it. Okay, so that's what's going on here. Back to the passage. So Luke um, 22, verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. We are going to remember what God did. And where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. Verse 10, he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Okay, this is a little odd because usually it was the women that took the jars to the well to get the water and took it home. So if there was a man carrying the, the whole thing, Jesus is saying, come on, I'm making this easy for you. Just follow what I'm saying here. And he say, follow him to his house, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make your preparations there. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. What we know now is that this original Passover in Exodus, right, and then this faithful Passover feast that was celebrated for hundreds of years is actually a foreshadowing of the death of the spotless lamb. The death and the resurrection of a firstborn son, yet again. But it wouldn't just free the people of Israel from slavery. It would free all of us from sin forever. That there is something about this lamb and his sacrifice that would give us eternal life. Kind of cool. Okay, so Luke 22, we're going to keep going on verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the unleavened bread, the bread without yeast, the bread that represented how the people of Israel had to grab their bread and run, grab their dough and go. But he said something new in verse 20. In verse 19, this is my body. Broken, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Has anyone ever been to a Seder meal? 
Anyone in here been to a Seder meal? A few of you? Yeah, so cool. So the Seder meal is the meal that Jewish people, even to this day, still celebrate during Passover. Um, it is really cool. I got to go to one um, once a few years ago. But there's 15 steps to this meal, and each step of the meal is significant remembering something about the Exodus and about God's goodness. You eat some bitter herbs to remember the bitterness of slavery. It's really cool. There's just all these different steps that you would do. But in the Seder meal, there's four different cups. Four cups. And it would have been the same as Jesus was doing the Passover um, meal tonight, the Last Supper. There would have been four cups of wine. And that fourth and final cup of wine is the cup of wine that's poured in anticipation of the coming Messiah. So even to this day, when Jewish people celebrate the Seder, they're going to pour that fourth cup of wine, and they set one aside for the prophet Elijah because they believe that it is Elijah that's going to usher in the Messiah during Passover time. And some Jewish families will even then go to their front door, and they'll open the front door, symbolic to say, come, Elijah, come, bring the Messiah. So in verse 20, when Jesus says, this cup, the fourth cup of the night, this is his fourth and final cup, this cup is the covenant of my new of my blood. This is the new covenant. Jesus is saying that this is symbolic of his blood, that he is the Messiah. That's what he's saying there. And these guys knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming, I am the Messiah. And friends, within hours, his body was broken. His blood was shed. And Jesus died. Within hours. And in three days, he rose again from the dead. I imagine that the disciples did not forget this meal. <laughs> I think this marked them. Don't you think? The words he said, the way he broke the bread, the way he poured the wine... I think it's stuck with them. And today, friends, as we take communion, I want us to pause and I want us to ask ourselves individually, what is it that we need to remember? What is it that we need to remember as we come to the table? So what I want to do is I want to pray together, and then I have five things I want to talk through that I think we need to remember, and then we're going to take communion together. So you guys pray with me. Hey, God, I thank you so much just for the rich history um, that surrounds communion, that it goes all the way back to Moses. And God, as we come to the table today, we just remember your faithfulness, remember your goodness, and remember how you free us, Lord Jesus. God, we invite you to be with us, and God, we ask your Holy Spirit to be here, present with us. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be moving deep in our hearts to remind us, Lord, of what it is that you have marked us by, what it is that we need to remember as we come to your table. In your name, amen. So at the table, we're reminded of a few things. We remember who we are individually. Individually. We remember that we are dead in our sin. Friends, that we are hopeless. That we are helpless. We're broken. We are stained so ugly by our pride and by our greed. And we remember that we can never measure up on our own. We can't. Communion reminds us that we cannot earn our salvation. If we could, Jesus would not have had to go to the cross. But we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. And we know that in Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. You have been saved through faith. You have not been saved by what you have done. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. You have been saved by faith. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, and, and it's a gift of God. And it's not by works so that no one can boast. So that no one can boast. I think God knows that that's like how our hearts just automatically go. We try to earn. We try to, to strive to earn God's favor, to do the best that we can. Um, and friends, this is so silly, but even with this media fast that we've been doing, um, 
I have found myself, like, in the fasting, feeling like by fasting, that's, like, what's pleasing the Lord. Like, if I don't check Facebook to see if my friend had a baby, like, the God is more pleased with me. Right? I mean, it's so, so silly, but that's, like, kind of what my brain has gone to. But I realize that some of us get stuck in that in our lives. We get stuck when we look at our sin. We feel like we need to fix it. When we see our past, we, we feel the condemnation on us. And you need to be reminded of this as you come to the table today. There is no condemnation in Jesus. There's no condemnation. Romans 8 tells us that. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Christ Jesus set us free. We're free from the law of sin and death. We are his treasured possessions, friends. Valuable enough that he sent his only son to die for us. As you come to the table, remember this. You cannot earn your salvation. And you are not condemned before God. Another thing we can remember when we come to the table is who we are corporately, who we are together, that we are his church, we are his community, we are the body of Christ, we are his beautiful bride. And friends, when we come to the table, we come as equals with one another. We don't come ranked. We don't come ranked by our ethnicity or by our gender or our social standing. We don't come ranked by our educational background by our resumes, or by our zip codes, or by our percentage of body fat, or our carbon footprint. Amen. And we don't come before him as lesser sinners and greater sinners. We just come to him, and he sees us as equals. Friends, as we come to the table, we need to remember that we come to the table as people of the table. People covered by grace and mercy, not people that point fingers. Another thing that we remember as we come to the table is that, friends, this is not our home. This is not our home. He didn't die on the cross so that this life could feel good to us. This is not our home. He died so that we can live everlasting with him. This week, I I can think of two specific people that I talked with that both were in pain. And and one woman, it was just on the playground, and she was telling me her story of uh, of sexual abuse from a young age, and then violence that took her mom from her when she was 15. And and the pain that she was talking about, it just breaks my heart. And I just, I mean, I don't know how much she knows Jesus, but I was just said, oh, the Lord wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. Because, friends, I believe this is not our home. This is not it. This isn't it. And then a, a friend of ours just lost his mom this week, and the reality of death is so hard. And you could just see the tears and the pain. You just want to say, this is not it. It's not over. Friends, as you come to the communion table, remember, this is not our home. We get distracted with life, with homework, with school, with jobs, with families, kids. There's so much going on. And sometimes we just forget we're not living for right now. We're not at home. And as we come to the table, we remember our mission. We remember our mission to abide with Christ to abide, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to lay down our lives for other people like Christ did. Like Christ laid down his life as a ransom for many. And we're called to do that same thing. We have been freed so that we can free others. Friends, as you come to the table, remember, we live on purpose. We live on purpose. And lastly, as we come to the table, We remember who God is. Most importantly, we remember who God is. A loving God that sent his own son to die for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, so that when we come to this table, 
we can come washed clean and washed new before our God. Um, I have two quick things that are going to pop up really quick. I love the phrase um, that God is the God of relentless mercy. Have you guys heard this before? Relentless mercy. So I have the definitions, I think, of relentless that are going to pop up here. Relentless, to not relent, unyielding, severe, strict, harsh. Oh, you guys are saying, nice. Relentless mercy. I love these synonyms. He's rigid and unbending and adamant, unyielding. These are like strong words. And this is how God is in his mercy towards us. And look at the antonym of relentless. Merciful. Okay, now let's look at what mercy is. Mercy is next. Compassionate, kindly forbearance shown towards an offender or an enemy. Forgiveness, indulgence, clemency, tenderness, mildness. He is inflexible in his mildness towards us. He is unbending in his forgiveness to us. Friends, as we come to the table, we are remembering that we have a God that is relentlessly merciful to us. He will go to every extreme to win us back. That's what the death on the cross of his son was. He is a God of relentless mercy. This, friends, is what we remember as we come to the table. That when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness through the death of his son. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And in just a couple minutes, we're going to take communion together as a community. And we're going to do it um, just a teeny bit different today. We're going to have a couple different stations. We're going to have um, a station here and here in the front at the bottom of the stairs. So if you're serving communion, you can come on up. Then there's another station that's right over there by the sound booth. Um, and then our prayer space is located over here. Our prayer space is if you just need a little place to be with God by yourself, to spend some time in prayer. And there will be some people there that are willing to pray with you, pray over you, pray a blessing for you. Um, and today when we take communion, these awesome people are going to say some words to you. Say some words to you. As you come down and take the bread, they're going to say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And as you take the bread and you dip it into the cup, they're going to say, this is the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of sins. Here at Awakening, we practice an open communion table. That means that if you are a follower of Christ, if you profess a faith in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to take communion. It's open for everyone. I'm going to read out of Matthew 26. This verse is going to go up on right behind me. Matthew 26, 26 says this, And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And drops them on the floor. He broke the bread. And he said to them, Friends, this is my body. This is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me. And after that, he took the cup. And he poured it. And he gave it to them. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. Which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant. That you are forgiven by God through Jesus. Let's take communion together.